Welcome back to Project Freelance. How's it going, guys? I'm back with another guest. This is Malik Parikh from the Philippines. Well, he's by way of India in the Philippines right now. And uh, he was a CEO of a company called Inspiro. And he is a hobby wildlife photographer, videographer. And he actually just came out with a book all about the future of the workplace. It's called Future Proof Your Career and Company. You can check that book out. I'll put a link down in the description. So today we're not only talking to a photographer, we're talking to an author, we're talking to an ex-CEO of a company, we're talking to a keynote speaker. This guy has done a lot over his career and I'm really excited to dig into his past, how he built his career and what his book is all about the future of the digital world and digital gig economy and the future of artificial intelligence and how it's taking over the workplace and how companies can integrate AI into their workplace and still keep actual human beings on their, on their force. So before we get into this episode, just a few housekeeping things. First of all, thank you for listening to Project Freelance. If you're a new listener, please hit that subscribe button. I would love for you to get notified every single week when we have new episodes come out. If you've been listening for a couple episodes now, you kind of get the gist of the show, you like the show, do me a favor and leave a rating and feedback on the Apple Podcasts. If you have an iPhone, you have an iCloud account, which means you can get onto Apple Podcasts because it's free. It's like included in your, your iPhone iCloud plan thing. So yeah, if you could do me a favor and leave a rating and feedback on the show on Apple Podcasts, just scroll down to the bottom of the Project Freelance Podcast and you'll see an area with ratings and feedback. And if you do fill that out and submit that, I will actually send you a signed photo print of Let's Do Wildlife this week. I'll talk more about it at the end of this episode, but if you guys want a signed photo print from me of a photo that I've taken, definitely, definitely leave a rating and feedback and then send a screenshot of it to me at Project Freelance on Instagram and I'll get that right out to you. The next thing I want to let you know about is that I have a photography book out. It's called No Tracers, an Urban Explorer's Diary. You see, when I'm not freelancing, I actually explore abandoned places. And if you want to check out a copy of my book, if you want to pick one up and support my art, head to notracers.com, or you can go to my website, justtheletterk.com shop. You can pick up a book, a hat, a backpack, a duffel bag. I've got all kinds of cool stuff up there that you should go check out. That's also my website for my creative work. If you guys want to see my videography, my foot, my, I can't speak my photography, any of that cool stuff, go to just the letter K.com. And lastly, this podcast has a partner and that partner is liquid death mountain water. If you've never heard of it, don't worry. I've got an ad coming for you in three, two, one from the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water. A water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint, Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid death, murder your thirst. So if you would like 10% off of liquid death mountain water, hit the link in the description or go to liquiddeath.com 
and use code just the letter K after you pick up a case of water and a set of koozies, then you can get that 10% discount. Code just the letter K. All right, without further ado, this is my guest, Malik Perrick. Please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience. And welcome to the show. Hi, this is uh, Malik uh, Parek. I am currently based in the Philippines. Uh, excited to talk about uh, freelancing with you, uh, mainly because I just finished publishing a book uh, that talked about how freelancing or the gig economy is becoming such an important trend that has a potential to completely disrupt the way we do our work. Um, and it has uh, massive implications for employees as well as employers. So uh, very excited to be part of this podcast. Thank you. Thank you for joining. I think what you have to say and the things you write about are going to help a lot of people, not only that are hearing this podcast, that pick up a copy of you know, your books. Uh, so how did you get into the the space to first of all like start writing it's a huge task to take on uh being an author so uh what got you into this space that you're in and the the interest enough to have a passion to write about it well uh until uh march of 2020 i was uh ceo of one of the largest bpo companies here in the philippines and uh, in my last three years uh, as a ceo I started noticing a few trends that were impacting my business uh, in particular. Uh, and I noticed that uh, my colleagues and my peers in the industry were experiencing the same. And I realized that uh, I needed to do some more research and I wanted to write a book about it. But you know, as long as you have a full-time job, uh, it's very hard to take time off and start writing a book. So uh, luckily when um, I left my stint as the CEO, um, my goal last year was to actually travel around the world uh, with my camera and uh, take pictures and uh, videos and you know share it with friends and family. Uh, but that didn't happen because of the pandemic. So I thought that the best use of time when I'm stuck at home is to uh, really go through my bucket list and check off one thing that I really wanted to do for a long time, and that was to write a book. So within six months, literally from March to uh, October, I sat down and I uh, researched and completed uh, writing a 200 and some 50 page book. Um, this is not something that um, I, I do professionally. Uh, it's something that I really wanted to do, but it has struck a chord with uh, people like you uh, who are full-time uh, freelancers or people who are running organizations and they are realizing that they are having a difficulty now uh, attracting and retaining talent because they are no longer just competing with other employers in the neighborhood, but they're also competing with people's innate desire to be the masters of their destiny and start their freelancing business. So how do you create an environment in a company where you give them a little bit of a freedom, uh, you give them a culture of entrepreneurship and try to retain them? Wow. That's absolutely amazing, you know, and as like myself, I wrote a photography book. I, when I'm not freelancing, I explore abandoned places. So uh -huh. I wrote like a, a whole book and had photos in it. And so I know that, you know, it's a task to create something like this, but the fact that you did this and that you're, you're doing it to, you know, help guide others, I think is very special. So as, as a freelancer myself, like 
just I want to extend a thank you to you for for putting your your thoughts down on paper and for sharing them with the world I think that it's very special to to write especially like if you're not a professional writer you know I think it, it takes a lot more heart to to put into a book when you're doing it out of a passion so thank you for creating that and if if people want to pick up a copy of that book uh, can you just tell them the name and where they can get it yeah the name of the book is uh, future proof your career and company and uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, they can either Google the name uh, Future Proof Your Career and Company or my name, Maulik Parekh, and they will be able to uh, get to it. But you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, looking back, I cannot even believe that I took on that project and I was able to complete it six months within six months because uh, I think you almost have to be out of your mind to take on a project of writing a book. Uh, it yeah. takes uh, such intensity such discipline and uh, you have to be in that zone all the time uh, in order to complete it because I have had friends who started writing a book and they said well you know I would write once a week or over the weekend and it never gets done because mm -hmm. unless you have that daily schedule to really commit to it and make it happen at least in my case uh, that, that's what um, um, I needed to do but to you know to your point uh, reason I wanted to get on this podcast is because um, when I was doing research for the book, uh, and I'm covering three different trends there, you know, artificial intelligence, the digital natives, and the gig economy. And uh, I thought the gig economy is an important trend, but not such a powerful trend in the beginning. But then as I researched more, I realized that among the three, the gig economy or the, the emergence of freelancing in the world is the, probably the most powerful force because it relates to our innate desire as a human being to crave freedom. And if you think about our lives, uh, you know, if you're a traditional employee working for a company, when do you have your freedom? On Friday, right? That's why we call it, thank God it's Friday, not mm -hmm. thank God it's Monday. And what freelancing does, it, it allows you to finally have freedom between Monday to Friday as well, where you decide who you work with, you decide how you work, uh, when you work, and all the you know permutations that go with uh, getting the job done. Now, obviously, it's not all uh, positive, it's not all pink and rosy, Obviously, to your point earlier, you know, it takes a lot of effort to build your business as a freelancer and, uh, and, and you know, continue to have that uh, steady stream of income. Absolutely. So for you, like with the, with this this project that you took on, uh, how did you decide on those three pillars that you wanted to focus on AI, digital natives and gig economy? Like, I, I know you did a lot of research, but what made you land on those three? Did you feel like they were like the most uh, disruptive and the most important things for, for this day and age and for the future? Yeah, because of my own personal experience. Uh, so when I was the CEO of this company, Inspiro, um, I started noticing that uh, the artificial intelligence was slowly infiltrating our workplaces uh, and our uh, processes and our jobs. Um, things that people used to do just uh, you know three years ago were you know being done now by artificial intelligence it was so sneaky that we didn't even take a step back and say oh my god this is a force that we need to reckon otherwise before we know it uh, by 2030 we may not have the jobs that uh, we are providing to our employees so that was one now, the second thing 
that I noticed was that there was a major transformation happening at the workplace, especially in our company, uh, where almost 95% of the people that we hired uh, in the last three years were digital natives, either Gen Zers or millennials. And I did some research and I realized that by 2030, two thirds of the global workforce will be made up of digital natives. And so we have to stop looking at these uh, Gen Zers as the hippies who love to put on their headphones and uh, you know drink soy latte or eat avocado toast sandwich. We need to really start paying attention to them because within 10 years, they'll be sitting in positions of power and influence uh, in the corporate world. So that mm -hmm. was the second thing that I noticed. And then the third thing, I realized here, especially in the Philippines, is that a lot more people were gravitating towards becoming the masters of their own destinies. And, you know, in the past, a lot of Filipinos would leave the country to go to countries like the US or Australia or, you know, countries in Europe to make a living and support their families back in the Philippines. But freelancing allows them to now stay in the country and uh, make a good living uh, and be competitive with their peers around the world. And so I thought that not only it allows you to be the masters of your own destiny, but it actually is such a powerful force in how it's changing the society and a, and a nation like the Philippines in how people make a living without leaving their country behind and having to go somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in the United Arab Emirates, so I know exactly what you're talking about. There's a lot of Filipinos that come over there to to work and, you know, take care of their families back in the Philippines. And I think it's it's awesome that people are starting to realize that they can be, like you said, the masters of their own destiny. They can be the the captain of their own their own ship, you know. They can work for themselves and and build a life for themselves and financial independence and financial freedom, which I think is absolutely huge, especially as a freelancer, you know. It's a lot of people struggle for a long time because they don't realize how long it takes to build their business and you know, when I was in uh, film school studying for my bachelor's degree, my I remember my dad asking one of my professors, like, how long is this going to take for her, for my kid's career to, to, like, take off and for their business to mm -hmm. be financially independent? You know what I mean? And uh, they said, you know, most businesses take, like, five to seven years to, to really start to build that snowball and have that snowball effect where the gigs are just coming one after the other after the other. So yeah. I think that it's it's very bold of people to jump into this space of freelancing but i also want them to realize how how difficult it can be at the beginning especially when you are starting from zero like for myself i moved i was living overseas as a teenager and in college and i moved to america or back to america i should say and had to start from zero i didn't know anybody when i moved to california so i had to build a business off of off of nothing literally and so mm -hmm. it takes a lot of heart and a lot of compassion to to become a freelancer um, so I admire anybody that steps into this space. Um, so as far as the future of the workplace, do you think it's going to continue to go in that AI direction? And do you think that more, uh, like freelance type of creatives are going to be brought into these workplaces as like uh, work from home type of people? Like, where do you see like the future of the workplace going and the future of work going? 
No, uh, that's a great question. And before I answer that, I, I do want to admire you as well uh, for making that leap of faith <laughs> and embracing uh, the world of freelancing. You're absolutely right. Uh, it's not uh, easy, but then nothing is easy, right? True. Um, as long as you have a longer view of life, as long as you are not trying to make uh, a big name for yourself just overnight, uh, as long right. as you're willing to commit to something, then, you know, obviously things will happen. The other advantage that freelancing offers is that you are always going to select something that you are passionate about. Uh, in right. your case, for example, I mean, there is a reason I'm sure you chose to go to film school and uh, you chose to create a career in um, you know, creating films and being a photographer or creating and sharing your creativity with others. Because I'm sure among all the classes that you took when you were in school, you were gravitated towards that uh, photography and videography and the creative realm, uh, so to speak, right? Absolutely. And once you select something that you like, then when you have to struggle a little bit when you have to put in your ears it's not that big of a deal but if you have to imagine you became an, an accountant and right. yeah you would have an amazing job and your dad would be very happy that you have a <laughs> you know a really well-paying job and a steady job uh, and you don't have to worry about uh, ever uh, you know making your uh, payments etc yeah but you would not be happy inside. And uh, when you look back at your life, you'll be like, oh my God, I mean, this is a wasted life. I had an opportunity to make something out of uh, my passion and I didn't do it, right? So I, I think people have to kind of take a step back and also think about life in a longer term view and decide when they are 70, 80 years old, when they look back, what kind of regrets they're going to have and how do you avoid having those regrets starting now, not looking back? Yeah, definitely. I think that's a, a such a valid point, you know, and we hear a lot of times about, you know, people that are, you know, on their on their way out, on their way to the, the next life or the next whatever you believe in that's after this life, uh, that they regret not following their dreams and following their passions. And I want to encourage people that listen to the show and people that I meet to, to chase their dreams because you have, you know, only this short limited time on this planet and, and you don't want to regret things. You want to, you want to live life to the fullest, if you will. Uh, so I think it's super important to chase your dreams and follow your passions. And, you know, personally, like for, for anybody listening to this, like I, I had, support at the beginning but I also had like the questions of like are you going to get a real job you know like when is this going to pay off kind of thing but you know I decided to to kind of buck the system and and follow my dreams no matter what and it's it's paying off now you know and so I'm super super happy with what I do and I just want people to know that um so my next question for you is yeah uh the journey like like we talked about it can be difficult how can companies ensure their employees that they'll enjoy the expedition, like that they'll enjoy the journey? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And something that um, I talk often uh, during my keynote speeches uh, is how do you create a culture where employees are given that opportunity to come and share their views and manifest them, right? Uh, so one way to do that is actually creating a culture of entrepreneurship. Um, the only way you can actually compete 
with people's innate desire to be the masters of their own destiny is if you give them a framework, if you create a culture where people can come with their ideas, and if those ideas are really good, they are able to manifest them. But if you have a culture where basically anytime somebody comes up with a new idea, the only thing they you know hear back is that, oh, well, we tried it and it didn't work out, or that doesn't work here, or we would never try that again, right? Um, so you, as long as companies can create a culture where employees feel like they have the freedom to come up with new ideas and uh, potentially manifest them. That's very important. Second thing, employees want to be heard. They don't want to be a number. Uh, yeah. If they feel that uh, every day when they go to work, uh, they are uh, essentially a number and uh, what they are asked to do is very monotonous, very boring. Uh, it's very difficult to then keep those people because they would figure out a way to share and uh, create their passion outside, right? And once they know how to do that, then potentially you may lose uh, those employees. So that's a very powerful thing companies can do is to create a culture of entrepreneurship. And there are many examples. I mean, why do you think Google or Amazon or Spotify receive thousands of resumes every single day? Why? Because people know that if they go and work for these companies, um, their, their voice would be heard, their ideas would be listened to and potentially uh, put to work. So that's something that uh, companies can really do well. Definitely, definitely. And so take me back to when you were, you know, before you were the CEO of this company. So mm -hmm. tell me about your education background and, and what it was like to, to grow in a company all the way to CEO. Well, um, I have a very unique background, and just like you, I'm sure uh, my parents also at one point disowned me, uh, where they thought this guy is never going to get uh, a real job and uh, you know make something out of him. But I grew up in India, and then I went to the U.S. Uh, to continue my uh, education in computer science uh, to pursue my master's actually in the U.S. And I realized during that time that uh, I was not meant to be an engineer. I have zero technical skills. So I have zero technical aptitude, actually. <laughs> I was really good at memorizing everything and I was doing really well in uh, the classes and in the exams. But if somebody were to give me a real life question uh, or real life situation to solve technically, I would not be able to do it. I don't even know how to change a light bulb in my house right now. Uh, that's how bad I am when it comes to fixing things. So um, the first opportunity I got to get out of that was when I came across an organization called Up With People, which was a, um, a group based out of Denver, Colorado, and they would bring in young people from all over the world. And this young people in a group of 150 will travel to like 100 different communities in a year, put on a two hour musical performance, and they would uh, do community service and they would stay with host families. And it was kind of a combination of intercultural program that was promoting peace and harmony among people. And I was 24 years old at that time. And I'm like, my God, this is the best way I can get out of this nightmare that I'm living of mm. becoming a computer scientist. So without telling my parents, I said, I'm not finishing my degree. I'm joining this group. And I stayed with that group for five years. And when wow. my parents found out uh, and they had taken a loan to send me to the US, uh, they said, Malik, 
I mean, how are you going to ever make money out of it? Because it's a nonprofit organization. Uh, you would never be able to do anything out of it. But it gave me a foundation that uh, if you take a chance and if you listen to your heart and that very faint voice that actually tells you what is the right path for you and if you follow through on that uh, yes it will take years for you to make something out of it but it will at least put you on a trajectory where you want to be so after that i finally decided that okay what i'm really meant to do is to work with people and uh, the best way to uh, get out of that whole nonprofit world and really get a real job was to go back to school and become uh, and get my MBA. So I did that out of uh, Thunderbird, a school out of Phoenix, Arizona. And that brought me to my uh, career in uh, setting up business process outsourcing centers around the world, starting with companies like Dish Network and Teletech. And I was sent to the Philippines to set up their first operations. And I've never been to the Philippines in my life. And I was asked to go and meet with the government officials um, and uh, you know, find business partners. And I did that. And I set up an operation that ended up becoming 2,000 people here in the Philippines. And then wow. they asked me to move to the Philippines to run it, um, eventually leading me to my uh, last employment opportunity with Inspiro, where I started as the CEO. I was hired to become the CEO, and I stayed there for uh, 10 years, uh, leading that organization, uh, taking them from uh, you know some 12,000 employees uh, when I started to around 22,000 employees when I left. Wow, that's such a feat, and that's absolutely incredible to hear that you were a part of building something out so, so big. Like, that's, that's no small company, you know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, and it's a people-centric company, so by no means, uh, you know, we compare with the 10,000 people working at Amazon. I mean, obviously, sure, sure. what we we do was uh, to uh, uh, take care of customer service queries on behalf of American clients or the Australian clients or the clients from Europe. Uh, and that required uh, hiring a large number of people here in the Philippines. But uh, the important thing was to create a culture where these employees stay with us because they're... 800 other companies doing the same thing out of the Philippines, right? So the first thing you have to do is create that culture where employees feel that they are part of the family, that they belong, and then you allow them to manifest their own ideas and strategies. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's so true, you know, and so for for companies that are trying to outsource their work, how can they bring those outside people into that that you know, family feeling, like especially these these digital creatives, these digital natives, as you call them, uh, how can they kind of bring them into that family when they're, you know, working across the world from each other or, you know, uh, at working from home, things like that? Like, what are some ways companies can can bring them into their culture more so when there's not like an office setting, especially during things like this past year and a half during the pandemic, everybody worked from home, you know? Yeah, no, and I write a write about that in the book that there are three things that the digital natives look for in an employer number one they want to work with companies that provide the latest technology because you know they are the products of latest technology they right. were born with a smartphone in their hand so you want to make sure that they um, they have that second thing that they uh, differentiate themselves from other generations is that they uh, are very entrepreneurial and we talked about that but the third and most important thing that relates to your question is uh, that they are very purpose-driven. Um, 
Gen Zers and millennials deeply care about social and environmental issues facing their generations, right? And when they're looking for employers, they're looking for employers uh, who are not just focused on generating the biggest profit or the biggest revenue, but they are looking for employers who are going to give back to the community who are involved in making a difference in the world around them and if if employers are genuinely doing that then they would automatically attract these uh, digital natives into their fold um, gone are the days where the only time you talk about your corporate social responsibility is when you write your annual report and you have one paragraph assigned to it and you put a one big picture of your CEO giving this large check to the selected charity. Uh, that doesn't work anymore. Uh, now we are attracted to companies uh, like Patagonia uh, that live and breathe their mission. Uh, it's very easy to know exactly what the companies like Patagonia stand for. Um, and there are so many other examples. JetBlue, for example, why did mm. it become such a successful airline in a very competitive world? Because they created a culture where they were trying to make the experience friendlier, both in the ground, but also in the air for their passengers. And passengers can feel that, that there is a larger purpose for this company than just uh, making money out of them. Right, definitely. Yeah, and you know, as somebody that travels a lot, I know exactly exactly what you're talking about as far as that goes. And so for you, where do you see yourself going from here? Like you you just wrote this book, this book just came out. Like what are what is your next mission? Well, um, I'm doing a series of uh, keynote uh, addresses uh, to com companies here in the Philippines as well as in Asia. Uh, I have taken a couple of consulting gigs for uh, companies uh, who are looking at future-proofing themselves, uh, giving them uh, some advice on their strategy as to how they should pan out their uh, next 10 years. And then um, I'm at a point where I am uh, deeply passionate about uh, doing things that keeps me in my zone. And one of the things, uh, and you know, we discussed that before we hit the record button is uh, photography um, and videography. So I have been a wildlife photographer for a long time as a hobbyist, uh, but uh, I have been really taken by creating wildlife videos and sharing them uh, on YouTube. I haven't started doing that yet, but uh, I have a few safari trips planned out over the next uh, 12 to 24 months. And I, I would like to share that world with those who cannot uh, or do not have the time or the resources to go to these far-flung places like Africa or India and share those experiences with them. I love that. I love that you, you have this uh, hobby that you want to like pursue more now. I think that's absolutely uh, inspirational and I, I can't wait to see what you create with that kind of stuff. So my final question for you is, what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started your career? I wish I knew that it's not gonna be so easy when you are following your passion. Um, a lot of people give up on following their passion just because it gets really hard. 
um, there were days and nights when I was with that nonprofit organization where I wondered whether there would be ever a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, I didn't have a very large support system. My family was not very excited about me doing that, so I couldn't go and talk to them. Uh, none of my other friends would understand what I was going through. But I wish somebody would have told me that uh, don't waste your energy being anxious. Uh, just uh, continue on your path. Uh, learn all the skills you need. Become a, be become a better person and a professional. Invest in yourself. And eventually, the way the universe works is that if you are putting in your effort and time and resources into something, it will pay off. And so I really, when I look back, I wish I didn't spend so much of my time being anxious about whether anything will happen in my life. Uh, there were a few years that I had to go through that experience. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate. I'm in my, you know, I'm 28 now and I, I feel that anxiety frequently. <laughs> so thank you for, yeah. for sharing that, that advice. And, and what do you, what would you say to somebody that is dealing with those, those anxieties? Like, you know, you can, you can tell them like, don't put your energy into that. But like, what, what are some things you can really do to like, you know, not be so anxious about the future? You know, what I did uh, when I went through that experience was to read about people who had taken that untraveled path, you know, the road less traveled. And uh, I would always remind myself that uh, none of these people achieved something overnight when they took that path. It took them years. Because as Steve Jobs once said during his uh, Stanford University graduation address, is that life only makes sense when you look back. The dots only connect when you look back. So when I look mm -hmm. at my own life, I realize that everything that I did prepared me for my CEO stint. And now it's preparing me uh, as an author, as a keynote speaker, and um, as a wildlife photographer, as a hobbyist. So the important thing uh, to remind yourself is when you feel anxious about whether something will come out of it is not uh, look out for the people who have successfully taken that path and see how long it took for them you know and in most cases it was not overnight uh, it took them 10 20 years before something really major happened in their life a big break came in their life right awesome thank you so much for coming on the show if people want to uh, reach out to you if they have questions if they want to bring you on as a keynote speaker or if they want to just follow your journey as a as a wildlife photographer and all the new things that you're doing where can they go to to find more information about you and connect with you yeah, uh, they can definitely go to my website, molikparek.com, and all my social media handles are there. Uh, if they are specifically interested in my wildlife photography, my Instagram handle is molik underscore I-E-Y-E. Perfect. Thank you so much. I really appreciated that, and uh, thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right, my Project Freelance audience, that was Malik Parikh. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your, your story with everybody, sharing your insights with everybody. I think that there's a lot of valuable information in this episode. So if you enjoyed it, if you got something out of it, please do me a favor and leave a rating and feedback on the show. It helps it grow on the iTunes charts. 
and it's specific to Apple Podcasts. So I don't think Spotify has like a rating system. I don't think Anchor really has a rating system or Podbean, wherever you're listening to this. Uh, the main source for that feedback is going to be Apple Podcasts. So if you do have an Apple account, if you have an iPhone, you should have an, uh, an iCloud account. So if you could leave that rating and feedback, that would mean a lot to me. And if you do that, I'll actually send you a signed photo print of you know, let's do wildlife for this one. I'll send you a signed photo print of some bears in Alaska that I took photos of as a way of saying thank you for that. So definitely check out Malik's information, his website. I'll put all of his links down in the description for you guys. And I'll talk to you again next week for another episode of Project Freelance. If you want to come on the show, please DM me at Project Freelance on Instagram, or you can tweet me at Project Freelance and I will get right back to you. If you want to follow everything that I do as far as creative work goes, you can follow me at no.tracers on Instagram, uh, or you can go to justtheletterk.com and you can see all of my my information, all my creative work. And uh, I'll talk to you guys next week. Stay strong, keep enduring, go out, go create something. And thank you for listening to Project Freelance.